Welcome to the Cybersecurity and Cloud Podcast, where we hear the stories of information security professionals. This podcast explores different angles, out-of-the-box ideas, and the human element of cybersecurity. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and supporting us at www.patreon.com forward slash CSCP so we can continue to bring on amazing guests. You can watch videos of the interviews at www.cybercloudpodcast.com. Hello, everyone. We are back with the second part of this second season. And today we have a special guest, a friend, Emma Hefner, that is coming and discussing with me about starting in cyber. She's a cybersecurity student. She just embarked in the Twitter space, in the cybersecurity space. So we explore um, a lot of in and out on how to start in this field, what what to look at and how to expand with the community, get engaged and really get the best out of the community to get ahead of everybody else. And because it's a very competitive job, especially at the beginning, I hope you really can get everything that we can squeeze out of Emma. And I hope these advice are good for you. This is your host, Francesco, and I welcome you back to the Cybersecurity Cloud Podcast. Enjoy. All right, all right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Cybersecurity and Cloud Podcast. This is your host, Francesco, and we have the absolute pleasure to have a new, almost finalist, but well-commendated winner of the SE Media uh, Awards, um, Emma Hefner. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, hi, everyone. Um, my name's Emma. Uh, I'm currently going into my final year of college studying cybersecurity and digital forensics um, and I also work as a part-time security analyst at EdgeScan so we cover full stack web vulnerability management and yeah it's been great it's been a pleasure um, and I, while I also do that I'm also a chapter lead of the OWASP Dublin alongside Denise and the other um, co-leaders and through that I've kind of got involved in the industry you can find me on Twitter um, my name is just Emma Hef and yeah so loving it so far and that's kind of a little bit brief introduction of what I do at the moment and yeah. No it's great to have you on board and we had we had some interaction over Twitter uh, mm-hmm. over time and teasing and challenge over time so it's always, I always bring the guests on the show and say, well, this is the background. But how did you, how did you start at in cyber? What did you, what get, what got you excited about cyber? Um, I think like four or five years ago, I was in secondary school and, you know, you're naive and you don't know what you want to do. And I always wanted to be a maths teacher. Like that was just my goal. Maths are just <laughs> for a teacher, you know. Well, enough. close enough. Close enough. Math yeah. and, and cyber, you can get stuck in cryptography. My major is actually math, uh, not cyber. Yeah. Well, it's a double um, major, major in cyber and and math. So it's close enough. Yeah, like it's definitely, it's been useful, you know, like having the interest in maths. And then through that, I've done cybersecurity camps. So they were kind of for, you know, students just trying to join college and not sure what they wanted to do. So got involved with that. And that was, you know, it was a massive eye opener to what the industry has and, you know, 
the lack of women was uh, a bigger part as well <laughs> to play. So, you know, came to like the end of the year for college and our school and, you know, picking what college you want to go to. And I just fell into one course and, you know, I've loved it ever since. So that's kind of, I started, you know, through a, like a general mainstream uh, but through that, like jumping onto Twitter and getting in with the industry was a massive one. Like and getting stoned by the Twitter, the Twitter yeah. infosec family <laughs> and the Twitter drama, the, the infosec um, drama. Yeah. You got, yeah. you got already a taste of the infosec drama, or it's bad you for now. <laughs> just a little bit, you know. You see, you see the drama on Twitter, though. But you just kind of you shy away from it. You don't get involved, and it's just you that's know. the trick. That's the trick. Yeah, don't yeah. get involved in the drama. That was gonna be. Yeah. it can get overwhelming very very quickly <laughs> yeah, like i think i'm only on twitter infosec twitter in the last year like i've never i, I never knew how, how to use twitter you know i didn't even know what a retweet was until last year so it's kind of i've grown between now and then so yeah no you go you grow you grow pretty fast pretty well yeah, like, so if anyone was going to do anything or looking to join into the industry, just get yourself into Twitter and, you know, find the good people and get involved because that's, um, you know, it's a massive deal. Like I wouldn't offend yourself if I hadn't gotten touched through Twitter or finding other people through Twitter. So it's a, a benefit, you know. Yeah. And network is absolutely key, especially for the new joiner. I tell all my mentee, just always yeah. curate your network because it's what's going to land your next job, even if Look your CV doesn't go. Yeah, like we're in lockdown at the moment, so there's no conferences to do networking or. Well, there is so. a there is a lot of conference happening, but well, they're yeah, virtual. Personal, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We have the OSP all day, but before we yeah. touch on that, um, what's your view on the industry? Since you're new in the industry, you're new on Twitter. What's uh, I'm really interested to to hear your perspective on it. Um, I think for now it's kind of. It, you'll find the good people. You'll know who the good people are if you're using Twitter as such. Um, and the people that you want to listen to, sometimes you have to remember, like, you can trust people, but verify what they say is a, is a massive phrase to try and keep in your head, you know? Um, and always be wary of who you're talking to. Like, you could be talking to a future employer. So it, it's important to remember whatever you post on social media is going to be out there. Or, you know, you speak to someone at a conference, you don't know, they could be your boss in five, ten years. and you know, you kind of have to keep that in your head, regardless of who these people might seem to you. They could end up being, you know, someone that you're trying to get that one job that you want or, you know, jobs. Um, <laughs> and then, like, looking at the industry, I think it's the best industry to be in. And especially in times like now where you can work from home and it's, you know, not every industry has the privilege to do this. So, you know, it's good. The industry, like, from my eyes looking into it, I don't know, if I had went into maths teaching, I wouldn't be here talking about cybersecurity, you know? So it's kind of... <laughs> well, maybe, maybe you would have started the maths security podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Uh, no, no. Like, no, no, I definitely think, like, from my perspective, looking in and not having done the maths course, you know, I, I find cyber being one of the best industries. I haven't tried them all, of course, but, yeah, like, definitely um, something to... If people are like anyone listening, if you're not sure on what you want to do, you know, maybe just try one computer course or something on YouTube that might open your eyes to the industry. If you're interested in maths and problem solving, then great. Like it's definitely for you, cryptography and whatever else. But if 
maths isn't your strong area. There's always OSINT, there's always just different um, avenues to take within the infosec industry. So yeah. Yeah, like yeah. And you don't you don't need to be actually a math specialist. You can no. you can be uh, from psychology, you can come with social engineering, or you can come from police with forensic. Uh, you can come with an inquisitive mind and start anywhere. I mean, I was listening, I was binge listening all the Dark Nectaris because yeah. uh, one show after another. And you see how varied this industry is and how many people start and where they land to and their journey is completely different. You go from, you know, hero to zero to hero back again yeah. in like nothing. Or you look at some of the top security professionals and they 100% haven't gone straight into cyber. You know, they've either gone into music and come back out the other end and been a network engineer or, you know, they could have been something completely different. So, you know, there's always ways around what you want to do. And the other thing you have to remember is you don't need a degree in the industry. There's a lot of people that don't have one and that's not to encourage not to get a degree, but... Well, yeah. it helps. It helps it help. up to a point, yeah. um, but that doesn't say that doesn't mean that without the degrees you can't get in. But it definitely helps. Yeah, definitely. Unfortunately, we're still biased by the CISP now equivalent to master. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm gonna stop the conversation there because I think we discussed in at least three or podcasts this thing. I think yeah. we cover it extensively. But uh, aside from that, is is the um, is the craziness of asking that to uh, a new starter, a new job. Mm-hmm. I think it needs to be a bit more pragmatic and practical. And you don't need a degree to get in the industry. No. Or, like, other things you need to remember is going to security conference is a massive deal. Like, for me, I went to one security conference last year besides Dublin, and I met my employers now at the conference. And they, they offered me an internship saying, oh, we're looking for someone, you know come do three or four months with us and you know through that I ended up becoming a part-time security analyst while I was studying so you know it's definitely have its benefits going to conferences and meeting all these people so yeah I don't know the industry at the moment I think it's buzzing it's It's definitely very positive yeah and just everyone's friendly like even on Twitter you can see people are always willing to help or if they don't have the answer they will definitely try and help you find the answer so you know don't be afraid put yourself out there as like and that, that, that's what we started with Tanya, hashtag as InfoSec and hashtag uh, uh, Mentoring Monday. That now has moved to Cyber Mentoring Monday because yeah. somebody took over the hashtag. Yeah, well, high demand. So, yeah, like, and definitely Cyber uh, Mentoring Monday is um, definitely one to get involved. I know I've got involved with trying to help people with CTF events. So, you know, there was a woman like reaching out, oh, I'm looking to get started. So, you know, I reached out and offered her help, and now she's flying away. She's loving doing captured flags. Or I also got involved there recently, about two weeks ago. Um, so, I opened up a Discord group and I made a whole mm-hmm. channel and, you know, invite everyone to come along and we'll do CTFs together. And just so that, you know, you're, it's a daunting experience anyway when you start in the industry or you're looking to just find some buddies, you know, and it's... No, it's and, and it's great. And it's great to give back to the community. It's great the yeah. fact that, as you're saying, it, it, you're doing exactly what's right. So demystifying the, oh, I can't mentor because I'm not a super expert. It doesn't matter. It just yeah. give the knowledge and, and grow with other people and teach each other out. So mentoring is a little bit of a 
body to body exercise and people growing together as well as the more traditional mentor that has a bit more experience than you and guide you through but that doesn't stop you from doing what you do and it's yeah, absolutely perfect like, um, yeah i think you need to link and collaborate with everyone it's it's one way you're going to grow and learn like you're not going to know it all regardless who you are you might be the expert but you know we never stop learning in this industry there's always new exploits new new technologies involved and so yeah, also, if you get into cyber, never stop. You will never stop. So <laughs> if there is one thing, it's cyber because you need to know a little bit, a mile wide and an inch deep an inch of deep. everything. Yeah. I think, was it the CIS? Was it the CIS motor? <laughs> I think it was the CIS motor. It's like a mile wide and an inch deep. You need to know a little bit of everything. Yeah. And it's definitely like, I think college for me, that's really shown me kind of, you know, we've got a broad spectrum of what to learn and what we should know or things that we should delve into. And I think it's important to have an air or have um, like an understanding of each area. So mm. it's definitely Thank important. you. Thank you for saying that college shows you the depth and then you choose your path. But yeah, it's, it's, yeah. I think or it's definitely because like, I'm doing the undergrads at the moment. So, you know, four years of my level eight and then i'll go on and do my masters and that's when you're going to delve in and be like oh i want to do cryptography or mm-hmm. i want to do osint or whatever you want to do like you just narrow it into yourself you know whatever you feel comfortable with doing um but yeah it's it's a tough call to make though you know it's it's hard you're going to spend two years at this one topic so you need to make sure you love what you do yeah but also take the chance i mean all the learning i mean cyber is so variegated and so wide that even if you learn about cryptography it doesn't matter that you jump on something else later on it will always come handy especially yeah. as you grow uh if you want to grow inside a CISO position then you will find that well you need to know a little bit about cryptography anyway and a little bit about network it it doesn't matter and i see your ccna up there <laughs> oh yeah my book <laughs> I have I have yeah. a whole shelf. I used to be a Cisco trainer, so yeah, it's my Cisco thirty one days. Uh, it was just because we were doing the security plus course as a part of the modules this year. So I, my dad had the book, you know, from studying and doing networking, so it was handy. No, uh, it's it's definitely a good, and I have plenty of books, so <laughs> you can borrow them whenever you want. Um, but uh, it's definitely it's definitely a good. Yeah. Francesco here. A very quick message from our sponsor and then we return back. This podcast is brought to you by the generosity of NSC42 Limited, your cybersecurity partner. Cybersecurity is complex and different for every organization, and you need the best tailored service to make sure your customer's data is safe and sound so you can focus on what's important, focusing on your clients and bringing the best and safest experience. NSC42 Limited can help you during your cloud transformation, cybersecurity assessment for your compliance checklist on premise and on the cloud. Want to know more? Visit www.nsc42.co.uk to get your free quote. Learning about stuff, being curious and, you know, being inquisitive, I think is the quality that you need to be in this field is what's going to make you do cybersecurity. And I was discussing with uh, one of my previous guests uh, in the previous podcast about you can join the industry because for the money, because there is good yeah. money in the industry, but 
in order to display excellence, you need to be really passionate because you need to dedicate a lot of time in research, learning, studying, continuously updating. And if you're not passionate about it, it's going to be really hard to put all that time. Yeah, like, what do you think? Like, you know, going for jobs, employers look for the passion. They don't look for the technical skills. So. No, half and half. Well, yeah, well, I think it's mostly you need to show that you're willing to learn. And if you're if there's something thrown at you, you need to like throw yourself deep in and just do it. Like, I don't know, it's kind of at the moment for me, that's how I see it. But obviously there's people out in the industry that have, you know, a lot more experience in the hiring and everything else. But at the moment, I think show that you have a passion and you're willing to learn. And, you know, obviously as much as you need the technical skills we need the soft skills like communication skills mm. or report writing is a is a massive one it's one i've learned through having worked in the industry kind of with pen testing reports and stuff and then throwing them back into college it's become you know a great help and yeah it's like it's at the moment I, that's like a challenge for me you know trying to soft skill balance well not so much soft skills but trying to balance that you can't have everything technical you need to have the communications if you can't write what you found in a document or in a pen test or whatever like what good is that to anyone you know so yeah i don't know it's a, not only that but presenting it discussing it winning the attention like it's all well and done to display well i've done a fantastic report and nobody use it on yeah. well this is the report but you can action this uh this script here and it will blow up your organization yeah. Complete same same subject, same report, completely different way to present it, and it's all about soft skill and how to learn the thing, how to learn the message. And I can't stress enough how important it is in our field because we deal with computer from a day in and day out. We're not, aside from the social engineering aspect of our industry, we're not used to deal with people. No, no. So yeah, because we're hiding behind a computer twenty four seven. Like you're not really interacting much. So and especially now during a lockdown. You know, you might interact with someone through a Zoom call or a Microsoft call, but it's it's not the same as a... Well, there is, like a, a, there is a diversity aspect of our industry that welcomes also people that are uh, sometimes more struggling from an autism perspective or they're extremely introvert or uh, awkward around. They're not social. So it's an industry that it serves well these kind of, of people because offer them a possibility to not stay connected. If you're a developer, you can just stay in a location, not talk to anyone and just interact with your computer and receive, you know, a short list of tasks to do. You do the task, job done. You haven't spoke with a single human being, right? Yeah, like I suppose some people enjoy that aspect, but for me, I kind of, I like interacting with people and, you know, learning and when you're in the office it's a completely different environment because you know you're bouncing banter back and across the office or you can go for lunch or you know where you're at home and it's just you and your computer in your room you know so yeah I think everyone has different uh, views on this whole lockdown and working from home most people like it most people won't so it's yeah I think it teaches I think it, it, it does teach us that it's possible to work in this way to offer this option for people that want to or not yeah. for other people that don't want to. And we're going to be forced in this kind of new environment for another little while. But I think personally, what we're going to get out of it is the learning exercise that, you know, we can work in this way. 
Yeah, and I think it's massive for companies like our whole company went completely remote. So for companies to just go remote and globally go remote, it's a, it's a big deal, I think. You know? maybe, maybe for companies that are global, I mean, some, some of my clients were uh, global and we were, I mean, they were a little bit more used to work in this kind of new way and environment because yeah. you're forced to, you, you're global, everybody's on a, is sitting somewhere else. But uh, maybe for organizations that are more local, that's the one that are struggling the most because yeah. they might not be digitally adept and they might be forced in this transformation out of the blue. Yeah, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough call to make, you know. Um, everyone everyone have their ups and downs with the whole situation. but I don't think you'd be able to. I mean, you, you wouldn't be able to control that kind of situation. No. You're forced to digital transformation. And you either jump on the bandwagon or you just say, well, can't. I closed the business. <laughs> <laughs> and so, some have said that. Some have said, well, everybody stays home, that you do the best that you can. Not everybody can be lucky if you want to be, yeah. and I quote unquote, lucky uh, to be in this digital transformation. Age. So you've got to keep the job. But I've seen a lot of people burned out because of, you know, it's very stressful at the moment, especially yeah. for cyber profession. I don't know about you but it's tough <laughs> i think it's tough for people that own their own companies and you know because they're small and they have to do on-site work and stuff it's a it's a big loss because you know that's one of your clients if you have to go on site or whatnot so i know a few people that their business has kind of been ruined in that sense um yeah uh, we'll get there though i think we're all on the right track and tech is just you know it's incredible that people will just reach out and if you need help, they'll try and help where they can. And mm. yeah, so I think we're getting Good there. positive attitudes. I, li I like that fact. <laughs> Good job, Emma. <laughs> yeah. So where, where do we see yourself next? So once you finish university, what's your next step? What's your next goal? Um, I think I'm going to go back and do my master's degree just because, you know, I have all the time in the world to do everything else. And I kind of, I'm, straight and narrow I want to get the doctorate but I'll probably have to wait a couple of years after you know mm. just get more experience under the belt and I think master's is next on the card if not I'll probably take a year out and work in the industry for a full year and then go do the master's I'm just waiting to see if one of the courses opens up in one of the big universities here so wait and see what happens there but at the moment I'm kind of open-minded I'm not 100% sure what I want to do I'm kind of like like I'm following Mick Moran's journey. I like the way he went, you know, from the Garrett's then up into, you know, a national he's out in France, I think now. So it's, he's kind of an inspiration or like he'd want to go to the Pentest inside or the forensics or, you know, some CSI sort of stuff. I don't know. So at the moment, I'm just looking at the industry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> looking to see which I like the best. I don't know. I kind of like networking as well. So I'm kind of, I'm very open-minded. I'm, as you say, like a jack of all trades. You, you need, you need a little bit. You need a little bit of everything. And yeah. uh, if I can give you suggestions, like layer on, so network operating system, and then you go into pen testing. You yeah. go pen testing day zero. You don't have that. You know, maybe you learn on the job, but you don't have that structure, that yeah. a layered approach. And that's why I like university because it gives you a layered approach, and then you're ready to go and attack the market and affect the industry but maybe like, yeah like it's definitely important I, like um 
comparing courses in the colleges as well there was a massive thing you know I'm talking to some of the girls out in America and then looking at the Irish curriculum and it's very different like they're very focused on either doing one section of InfoSec or you do all sections of InfoSec mm. in Ireland so I think we're lucky in the sense that we get everything whereas some countries actually they just delve straight into you know let's just do pure forensics or digital forensics as such but um I think US is more is more specialized is more focused yeah. on engineering and with the good and the bad that comes out of it um they're very very engineering focused here we think to be as well <laughs> that's a different story um and not always you get what you pay for yeah that's true close bracket especially in cyber where or or in it where everything all the information are out there just structuring guidance of a certain training that's that's what you get um but let's not get political with us and europe <laughs> and who has the best yeah, it's not a competition no it's not uh <laughs> you just study in the country you are and it's also back to the networking and opportunity if you want to work in the us yeah. you have massive opportunity if you kind of studied there, it's easier. <laughs> you know, a lot of um, Americans love Irish people. So it's like, you know, you have all these American companies getting in touch through LinkedIn and you're like, oh, not really. I don't want to say interested, but the moment it's just not the time or the place, you know, you still, you kind of have to take what's within your country and then delve out. Or some people I know have actually emigrated abroad to Australia. So I don't know, like, depends on where the jobs are, really, isn't it, though? So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think uh, Ireland is going to be short of job anytime soon, <laughs> <laughs> especially with all the tech company down there. Because yeah, like, of, you don't yeah. realize it, though. If you go into Dublin, you you actually don't see how many tech companies there are until you kind of start going up different avenues and you see Google and Facebook and Amazon and all these other big global companies, you know? Without going into Brexit is the only safe way to right now being in Europe and in, a, in an English speaking country. Yeah. And also, by the way, is tax efficient for them. <laughs> so they kind of like them all. So uh, I have a lot of friends down in, in, in AWS down in Dublin. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no. Uh, Massive yeah. space down there. Yeah, like AWS, it looks good. I've been in there for a few OWASP events and stuff. So it's a very small building, though. It's only two floors. And then they have a separate building. With no, the data center, though. Huh? <laughs> the data center are quite massive. <laughs> well, yeah, like it, I, think it, I think it was the areas I was in that just seemed, you know, I think there was 200 people on one floor and the floor just looked tiny. So it's... Uh, they, they don't use the work office space. So AWS tends to be very, very distributed. Everybody working from yeah. home is one of those companies that try to optimize the cost and use the office just as a work presentation. Yeah, exactly. And that's what a lot of companies will end up doing nowadays. So sorry for the landlords. <laughs> <laughs> so Twitter and how did you get involved? How did you start? And then we touch on OWASP. What, 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 who was the first one that dragged you? It's like, get yourself a handler, just get on Twitter, interact with the community. And what did you got out of it? Yeah, so I set up a Twitter like I think it was six years ago, but it was kind of more, you know, just for my own use, like personal use. And then I kind of just never got into it. I just, you know, didn't really know how Twitter worked. And back then it was a lot harder to understand than it is now. I mm am -hmm. um, so kind of, you know, I left that. And then once I got it, 
into my end of second year, I was like, you know, I'm just going to start Twitter again and just, you know, interact with people online and going to conferences. I was able to like put up a snap or, you know, like I'm at such and such, uh, whatever with you or, you know, and that was kind of what lifted me. It was kind of like, oh, sure. Like everyone likes to see what you're doing and, you know, it's, it's fun to engage with people. So I kind of, that's how I got really started is going to conferences and just not blogging about them, but, you know, just taking snapshots and throwing them up. Um, and then I kind of, over the summer, it was just, I don't know, I was just bored out of my tree. So I kind of just like. <laughs> over Twitter. Yeah. And I just jumped onto Twitter and I was like, right, I'm going to start engaging and following more people, interacting, you know, by the time you knew it, you were engaged with people in the US or, you know, London or just people outside your circle in Ireland. So um, it was nice. And then at the end of, so let's say about September last year, I met Brian Honan up mm-hmm. in the college campus and I got talking to him. So he was like, oh, you can come and speak. Yeah, um, he runs Irish Comp. That's like an Irish conference here about security. Actually, it's one of the conferences. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Tell me more about the area, uh, the Ireland conference, the Ireland, oh, the Ireland Infosec. Conference. Oh yeah, like Infosec here is uh, it's very small. Like um, I don't, I don't even know. There's a lot of there's a lot of people in Dublin. Like mm-hmm. so, anyone that's put in my college course would be mainly Infosec. But you, you don't hear about many Irish hackers. I think there's probably three or four that actually went global. Um, but Infosec here is very small. So like trying to get a CTF team, I think we only have 20 CTF players in the whole island of Ireland. So it's it's tiny. Um, and most of those people are like 24 plus, but you don't have any younger students, like, you know, anyone that's like 18, 19, 20. Because when we do the European Cybersecurity Challenge, you need people that are from the age category of 15 to 20 and then 20 to 25. So it's very tough for us to um to get the end bracket. Um, but yeah, like InfoSec here is it's tiny. Like and Brian you have Holland, the opportunity. Then you have the opportunity now to grow it. Yeah, like I, I started a network there last summer, like end of last summer, um, Humans of Cyber. So that was basically more to engage students with the professionals and, you know, anyone that's looking for a career change to just jump on board and everyone just meet one another because it was kind of a bit daunting going to massive conferences and not knowing anyone. So mm-hmm. it was nice to just have some sort of thing that absolutely no one knew each other, but you came out knowing probably 10 or five or too many people that you met. So it was kind of, it was nice to see. And a lot of people were actually people that had never done cybersecurity. They were someone that came from business or, you know, someone that just wanted a career change. Maybe they don't something. So yeah, it was nice to see everyone come together. And then Brian Honan jumped on board and he tried to get as many cyber students involved so mm-hmm. he was a big advocate for myself like um he let me speak at his event so it was a that's kind of what got me really starting my name out there meeting like graham hooley or graham Clooney, and you know a lot of the stars in the industry as well so i think if anyone's going to do anything just jump on twitter it's you know not just jump on twitter but do all your outside learning you know and somebody everyone. and somebody's going to lift you up it's an industry where people help each other out. Yeah, and if you're like if you're from Ireland and you're looking for people to hop on, we started our own CTF team there recently called Crack the Planet. So it's like crack is in the Irish spelling. <laughs> just to keep the Irishness in it. And you know, there's I think there's only like 30 of us in the entire group. So it's it's a very small community, but it's nice because everyone gets to know one another. 
Um, so yeah, like I don't know, Irish Irish infosec needs to be upper rank. You know, like looking at the UK, I think they're getting millions to go be trained. Yeah cybersecurity teams anyway they get millions trained where i don't get nothing you know we we rely on sponsorship from companies and it, it's tough because you can't keep an infosec community alive here if you don't and all the people all the people that uh, travel to the uk yeah yeah the uk is a massive one i know a lot of people from here emigrate to the uk just purely because there's not enough resources here for us so unless you go to a college that does like just security you're kind of lost you know so it's uh, but it's but, nice it's it's a little bit nice uh, of people to maintain their foothold and yeah. to say well i'm gonna grow the community here and i, I left italy and the, the italian community a long time ago a little, little bit of regret but my heart is mostly english <laughs> <laughs> half english half half yeah. um and I say English in the broader term, not British, not Irish. Like yeah. I'm, I'm half English, half Italian. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, and I think that's another thing. Like we were talking about, um, just like I have a group with three girls, and it's just we all chat about how, you know, it's different for people in different countries and what they do. And cybersecurity is just not a thing in Ireland. And you know, the UK, you see a lot of people on Twitter from the UK or. The US is a big one as well. So yeah, US US is very engineering focused. Um, yeah. UK is mostly on GRC risk and control, and then you have some pen yeah. testing company. But it's one of the key driver. A lot of other comp a lot of other countries don't they're not too much into infosec as in the, in the same way we are. We're very focused on IT as, as one of the industry, especially yeah. specifically on service. Hence why it's natural for England uh, in the broader term or, or the United Kingdom to grow. Um, I want to say something, but I totally forgot uh, the point to make. <laughs> and I totally lost it. <laughs> it always happens. <laughs> uh, lack of sleep. Um, yeah, totally good. Um, <laughs> Actually, yes, yes, diversity. Thank, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> we ju we just been out of the SE Media Diversity uh, Diversity Champion, and uh, what's your view on diversity? You know, I'm I'm a big advocate, so yeah. I'll try I'll try to put here and there. What is you mentioned? You mentioned before that you see very few uh, women in infosec taking part in it. What's your view from a student perspective? Are people encouraged or not? Um, I think people are afraid. I just, like for me, when I started the course, I was, I think two or three weeks into the course and I kind of, I didn't like it. I was, you know, a lot of guys on the course and you're kind of intimidated by those. Mm. Um, I kind of- Guys you know, intimidated by girls? <laughs> no. I what were you doing to them? <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, it's just like, I think that's a massive role. You know, if you're the only woman in the class, it's going to be intimidating because mm. you feel like you have to show yourself or prove yourself that you're worthy of where you are today. So that's, yeah, like, I think, I don't know, it's, it's hard to pinpoint what the issue is. I think women are just afraid in general or they don't feel like... Totally Maybe we need to create a more uh, a bigger environment where we encourage them from the very early stage to the it becomes the new norm. It's like, it doesn't matter if you're a man or a, or a woman or yeah. whatever gender you want to 
identify with it just it's comfortable because you see other people as human psychologists like I see a woman a woman a woman I feel comfortable because I'm in, a, in an environment that it's it's kind of your brain says it's normal if you see any anybody else around you from a different gender I think your brain naturally triggered the fact that something wrong so you I feel think, uncomfortable yeah, like through college I've definitely learned that you know guys actually aren't intimidating they're just they want to help but they just feel like I think they're intimidated by you if they see you doing well and they feel like they should be doing just as well then it's kind of oh I better you know it's, it's it's a tough call to make I definitely think women are just there's something lacking there or they feel like you know tech wasn't made for them or you know can't get their nails dirty or whatever you know it's a <laughs> and there is nothing wrong with painting your nails and being in tech you can, you can be absolutely into fashion and we saw Alisa and the and yeah, the, the fashion the fashion group so there is nothing wrong you can just be as feminine as you want and still be a super cool tech person so yeah like, definitely no, some of the top star or what like not stars but experts or you know technologists as you like to call people um you know a lot of them do tech but they have you have to have a hobby on the side you need to do what you love you know if you love doing makeup or you love reading or you know it doesn't have to be a tech book it could just be any book you like or actually maybe it's even better to to have not a tech uh, yeah. focus hobby because it's so i don't know it becomes kind of an addiction um <laughs> where you want to learn it's kind of a natural thing where it's such a wide field that you kind of are enticed to learn more but then on the drawback you kind of spend all your time in there so it's it's kind of catch 22 where you want to really want to have a hobby outside the tech world because it it drives you away from from pc or from whatever you you're on all day yeah and i think like just looking at uh, vandana like she set up uh infosec girls you know and that's kind of to engage more women into the industry or i think she set up uh infosec kids now yes she so, just like, that's, recently did. that's that's phenomenal look and you know that's something that kids are going to really benefit from so it's yeah like I think I don't know what we're lacking I, I just don't I think going to schools at a young age and maybe teaching them what cyber does is what we need to start doing more of um but in Ireland it's just you know we start they have um cyber Ireland so basically they try to go to schools and teach them about security but it's just I don't think it's it's hitting the students because these people have 30 40 years experience in the industry so you know if they're learning from someone maybe that's in college or just finished college and you know they're I think, so my view my view on this is we need to keep on reiterating the message but from the early yeah. days from schools teaching them how to code and i love what sygenta does and what piggy clown yeah. uh, what they do they go back into the school they they give that direction that help people realize it's cool it's not that hard and anybody can do it I think kids kind of get into their head that, you know, coding is for the nerds, you know, and it's just like, it's a stereotype. But nerds is cool nowadays. Yeah, exactly. Like anyone that reads a book is a nerd, you know, so it's kind of, yeah, it's a hard one to uh, pinpoint. But if you could code, if I had a code in school, it would have been such a, a great help because you're in college now and, you know, first two years were all coding. It was just primarily like development and stuff and now you go into third year and there's like no coding and it's kind of you're gonna to have to go learn it yourself and mm. 
I think definitely hitting them at a young age, not just women insecurity, but I think everyone. I think we need more diversity from all cultures as well and nationalities. So it's, yeah, it's one that's going to take time. You know, they said by 2020, we'll have diversity of 50-50, but we're still here. No, so No, we're way behind. And I think a lot of people mix up the statistics to yeah. bump it up. I definitely see a positive, a positive push and input with all these awards. So the message and the vehicle for the message, I think is right with we, we need to keep on hammering. And as I say to, I think it was either Becky or Emma uh, on Twitter saying, I want to be in a place where the diversity champion doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> I don't want to be an advocate for women. I want that to be the norm. And I think until that point, I'm going to keep on hammering and hammering and supporting. And I think what's important is keep on reiterating the message so that everybody becomes the norm. Yeah, and I think, I, I don't know if you've noticed on Twitter, but people are doing all the experiments with um, changing their profiles to being like women or men and trying to get the interaction, see who gets more interaction. Like, is it the man's account or is it the woman's account? Like, you know, trying mm. to be all technical with the male and then the female probably posting selfies. And, you know, I know that's not really about InfoSec, but it just shows the engagement from the InfoSec community. I, d- I just seen one example, Ian Cole or had um, done something similar. I can't, I think the guy's name was Bert. Mm-hmm. He like changed his name to be a woman's name. And it was just, you know, the whole experiment. I actually thought it was a girl. So like, it was, yeah, like just the whole idea of it. I think it's bias. I think it's bias. Yeah. And uh, a guy is still a guy, despite that he's in InfoSec or in any other industry. And we're driven by primal instinct. So you can't erase that. No, so. yeah. Yeah, no, it's definitely, it's just like one observation I've made through Twitter is like women do get more engagement, I feel, on Twitter, but you know, sometimes it's not for the right reason. Sometimes it is because the self has been posted or whatever. Guys just being weird. <laughs> I know I was discussing that with Chloe and she is she's saying guys are terrified to interact with, with her because they know that she speaks up. And I think that's I mean, on one aspect, is a very, very delicate subject, so I'm going to be very, very careful with words. And I say, from one aspect, it's good that there is that scary factor because not everything should be allowed to filter out this message yeah. and somebody should be able to to discuss about certain things or to spill it out. And from the other, it's good to know the boundaries. You know, yeah. that not everything is allowed, not just because you are on Twitter, you're behind the keyboard, everything is allowed. There is another human being behind the keyboards. And um, yeah, just it's difficult to find trade off between being stopped to talk and being afraid to talk. Yeah, I think you need to draw a line in the sand. It's just, just like, don't I be know, awkward. Yeah, like <laughs> I never had my. Um, my twitter dms ever open like i just always had them closed just, mm. just didn't it's not that i didn't want the engagement it was just i was afraid i was going to start getting all the messages that you know gabrielle would speak about or post on twitter so it's kind of i didn't want to do it but when i opened it people are more like oh hi can you follow me back or you know i've really? never received an un, like um what's the word i'm looking for an un, un, awkward yeah awkward message yeah. An unsolicited uh, image or anything like I've never 
come across anything like that but you know it does happen and you see it on Twitter so I don't know sometimes it's good to stand up but then sometimes it causes drama and you just is it really necessary so it is true and we we're discussing this with Chloe uh, in the previous podcast she is taking uh, some step away from Twitter to avoid the drama avoid this kind of problem because it's it draining it is draining on you and it's negative energy anyway I think what she's done though uh, with women hackers like I think that's a great idea and I know that conference is coming up soon as well so it's uh, I think it's um, it's going yeah. on uh, well this this going to air out is is the fifth right now when we're recording this going to air out a little bit later but yeah, I think so it's on the 4th to the 6th yeah so it's like, going on yeah no I think I'm I'm getting involved with that as well so I'm kind of Given a hand at the background, so it's, it's don't great. become a mini vandana that gets involved in everything and then she struggles. <laughs> I always tell her, always like, you are amazing, but just keep your life. <laughs> no, I don't know how people do it. Like they're so uh, involved, and it's great. Like it's great to see. Be careful. Like, My suggestion: yeah. is be careful. You get overwhelmed very, very. Quickly. Oh, definitely, yeah. And it's it's tough when you put yourself out there. You're kind of. You can't step back too much. Obviously, people will understand if you need to do it, but like, it's tough to just you know get yourself into the crowd and then try and come back out of it. It's and it's really easy to get engaged and to get all fired up for a great initiative, especially be as as we are passionate. Yeah, uh, you get engaged, you you start something, and then it's keeping the momentum that is the yeah the grind. You know, trying to keep the engagement on Twitter is it's tough to come up with new ideas that someone else might have posted or not posted. And you know, you have to be different. You don't want to be the same, you don't want to be copying someone else, you know, just because they've done something cool and you want to do it now just to look cool and you know, be new, be in it like Yeah, be this unique. training. Just be yeah. yourself. <laughs> yeah, just be yourself. Anyway, we are coming, as I said, we're never gonna make 30 minutes. <laughs> But it was a fantastic conversation. But before we close off, leave everybody with a, a positive message on cybersecurity, Emma. Yeah, so never give up. Uh, just keep going. And if you feel like you can't come over the hurdle, just try again. You know, never give up. It's just one message. And another thing I'd say is if you feel like the smartest person in a room, then you should leave that room and try a new one. Because like, that's one of the massive things in cybersecurity is you're going to feel like you know it all. But you need to try somewhere else and learn from other people and keep going. Pass the knowledge on as well, though, of course. So, yeah, they're, they're my positive messages for today. That's great. And I, and I don't think I never actually found myself in the, to be the smartest one in a room. I might be like you or I might doing something wrong. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Who knows? Yeah. Well, I, th I think I've seen that on Twitter. I think it was a cyber mentor post. And it just, you know, it was so true. Like, you need to... You need to make sure you're not the smartest person in the room because you're not going to learn anything new. You need your skills to develop. So, yeah, it's massive. I agree. And thank you, everybody, for listening. This is your host, Francesco, and we had the pleasure to have Emma Hefner. Emma, thank you very much for coming. And I'll see you on the next one. Stay yeah. safe. Bye. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, consider leaving us a review or sponsoring us on Patreon. It helps us bring on amazing guests and keep the podcast alive and free. Consider supporting us at www.patreon.com forward slash CSCP.
and watch other episodes at www.cybercloudpodcast.com. 